Winter is coming. Actually, winter's gone. It's it's very much gone now. Kind of nice, actually. Oh, hey, welcome back. Uh, today on Citanium Mine, we're going to talk about Vikings: Wolves of Midgard. This is not necessarily a new game. It actually came out in 2017. But you know what? It's new to me because I just played it. Uh, I am, uh, say, probably five, ten hours in at this point, but I'm getting a pretty good feeling that I can tell you what this game is like, and uh, more importantly, whether or not you should actually play it. Uh, basically, you have to think of it this way. Imagine Diablo. Yep, there you go. Okay, so that's basically that, except more like Norse mythology, a world inspired by it. Uh, I shouldn't simplify it quite that much. We can probably say a little bit more, although there are a lot of similarities. Like, for instance, your special skills that are mapped to different keys on your controller, uh, your, your leveling system where you can put a couple points every level uh, into different gifts that are given by different gods uh, that are specifically aligned up to different kinds of fighting styles, the color-coded rarity system, and placing runes in your weapons and armor to augment them, uh, gaining small incremental increases to your character's stats every single level, fighting hordes of enemies, some of which happen to be sort of elite characters that are harder to kill but have better rewards. Yeah, it's, it's an ARPG, folks. It's similar to anything that you'd see from a Diablo or a Torchlight, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I like those games, and so I was very interested to try this out. I do have to say that although there are some big similarities, they do try a few interesting things here, and one of the biggest things I found was that they tried to make the combat a little bit more tactical. Now, you could just go right in and start hacking and slashing away at your enemies, but you're going to find that in a lot of cases, that means your health is going to drop very fast, and you only have a limited amount of health potions that you can hold on at one time. It's all tied to an amulet that you wear around your neck, so you usually only have three instances before you have to get back to a health pool and regenerate them. That That is unique in itself, but you're going to find that rolling and dodging and staying out of enemies' areas of attack are also incredibly important, especially when you start getting to bosses that want to use health totems, that want to create uh, frost areas, or Mario-inspired fire wheels that are going to try to burn you to a crisp immediately. You have to start thinking a little bit more tactically about your combat. It's not overt, you don't have to do it all the time, but you definitely have to consider your options as you progress forward. It still means that you get to kill a lot of things very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of just fodder that's going to get thrown at you, and you're supposed to, you know, take on mobs of six, seven different enemies at one time. Now, that's just fine. I, I didn't mind that all that much, and the rolling and the dodging and all of that, that's nice. I, I did find that it is a little bit slow on the uptake, especially if you want to do something like, I don't know, attack afterward. Uh, you usually have to wait a little bit, so... 
it can be a little frustrating, especially if you don't understand the system right up at the front. Another thing I found very interesting is the idea of exposure. So the elements themselves will actually start to encroach upon you. One of those that is very prevalent, obviously, because we're talking about Norse mythology, is the cold. So if you are out in the tundra areas of these maps, you'll find that uh, you have a little bar at the bottom that continually goes up, which is basically you incurring frostbite. You have to find fires along the path to warm up, essentially, because once that bar fills completely up, you start taking a lot of health damage along the way until you're dead. I don't know how I feel about this mechanic. On the one hand, it's interesting because it sets this apart from other games of its type. On the other hand, it does make you uh, have to think a little bit more about timing to get from one area to another area without freezing to death. And that's interesting, but it can also mean that your pacing is weird. Like, if you have a tactical combat system where you're supposed to be rolling and dodging and dealing with enemies in, in different ways, the idea that you then have to essentially just roll, 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 roll your way past all of those enemies because you need to get to a fire very quickly uh, kind of undercuts that as a mechanic. There are also some battle arenas that you go into over the course of this, and these, those are very challenging. Those are really for once you've gotten into the game and you want to try and test your skills, you can go to these, you know, wave after wave arenas to, to see if you can actually defeat all the monsters that are there. All this is wrapped up in a story that's, it's serviceable. It's not mind-blowing, but basically the idea of you being... Uh, this very important warrior that's trying to rebuild this colony, and by doing so, you start to uh, get different armorers and rune masters and everything that you can buy stuff from. They do at least add a little bit of story and, and strategy into this, because at certain points when you're battling certain characters and you defeat different bosses, they'll give you options of what you want to do. One of the first ones is you attack a village. Uh, an enemy village that's attacked you, and then you have to choose whether you're going to ransack the village and you get a whole bunch of gold right up front, or are you going to ask them to show fealty to you, at which point you actually get a, a smaller amount of gold, but you get it every time you go through one of the raid sections of the game. And that's a really interesting thing. They, they do that at different points throughout the game. I thought that that was interesting. It just adds a little bit of consequence to the story as you're doing stuff you know you have to think a little strategically in the long run because you're going to need all of those resources wood iron gold you're going to need that to upgrade your altar so that you can get better levels of those special skills we were talking about earlier or to upgrade your smithy and your armor so they'll sell you better stuff Okay, but for every good thing that they do differently, there are some things that set it apart from other installments and ARPGs that don't work as well. Uh, one of the things I didn't really enjoy was that the, the whole world does not feel connected. The reason is, is because you have this hub area. You can think of it as like a Tristram from uh, Diablo 2, right? Except, in Diablo 2, 
you went out from Tristram into the rest of that area or wherever your initial area was, and you went out into those wilds and you would see an interconnected world in each one of those giant areas, in each one of those acts. This one doesn't do that. This basically has like a hub area and then it has you sail to a specific mission to accomplish a specific mission in one of the specific areas. You have to complete that and then you can go back to the village. Alright, so it doesn't necessarily feel very connected because you're going to specific missions and specific raid battles that are out there in the world, but they're not necessarily connected. In fact, they're all basically done by boat. Uh, so you get on a boat and you go to this other place. For me, that just didn't help with world building. It means that it feels like there's a bit of a disconnect between like, oh, this person in the village needs my help, and then I have to sail to somewhere else, take care of that one thing, and then I sail back to the village afterward. Um, the connection to what I'm doing is just not there, as it is in a lot of other games. And then the other thing is the progression system. Whether you are upgrading your gifts, they're, they're the skills in the game, but they call them gifts, or you're getting your initial stat bonus at the uh, turning over of every level, or you're even putting runes and stuff into your gear, it's such a minute increase that I didn't really see the effect of why I would want to do it. Uh, for instance, here, here you can increase your health by 1% every level. Or you could increase your attack speed by 1% at up to a maximum of something like 20. Or runes. So runes are, you know, they come in many different rarities. But I even looked at what the, the largest rarity is. So your, your gold rarity of runes. And the increase, let's say for the one that actually increases the damage of a weapon, only increases it by one point one seven times that's not much i don't really see the benefit to a lot of those increases even when you have gifts uh it will increase critical damage and those usually those things for like health and critical those uh, give you a little bit better stat increases with the passive bonuses um there's a lot of stuff in the game that i think works well and is fun to play. Uh, sometimes when it comes to the skills, though, I did find that a lot of them, unless you really want to think about it, don't do anything revolutionarily different. So as I was saying, I was going down the Thor line. That means your two-handed weapon skills are, you know, key. That's usually good, because it means that I can hit things very quickly and hopefully kill them before they kill me. However... Um, the first skill that you unlock with that is this, you know, Cyclone Whirlwind. You can think of it, like, from Barbarian times. The, the Whirlwind Maneuver. I, I swing my sword around in an arc. Then the next thing I get is a Battle Cry, which damages everything in a circle around me. And then the next thing that I got was, was a, a smashy move where I bang a, a circle area of effect in front of me. Now, they do have some additional effects as you gain levels in them, but they're all pretty much doing the same basic thing. And so I didn't necessarily... I just basically waited for the cooldown timers to 
uh, expire on each single one of them so that I could just continually use them, uh, not really thinking too much about the effect that they had on the enemies that I was dealing with. Uh, I just kind of knew that they were all going to accomplish essentially the same thing. I did, however, appreciate one other interesting thing, is that when it comes to your health, you can regenerate it, and uh, you do have that amulet that you can utilize in the field, and there are health pools, but the main way that you're able to get health is by killing your enemies, because they will drop blood, and then you collect that blood. And if you are able to do multiple kills at one time, because they really do want you to try and do combos and, and you know hit as many characters as you can at one time, uh, you collect more of it. Not only does that blood end up healing you, but it also goes toward your total, which uh, is how you increase levels. Blood and the total amount of blood that you get increases your level uh, when you get back to an altar so that you can cash it all in. Killing enemies will also fill up your rage meter. There's one of those in this game. And uh, again, it's an interesting idea that I can utilize it uh, to put myself in essentially an aggro mode. But like a lot of the other things, it doesn't really last very long. I had set a new record after using it a few times of 12 seconds. That's like, the, that's like how long you can get it to go. And then there's a long cycle, again, to really fill it up. To, to use it again, uh, similar to the problems that we have with the increases being very minute every time we level up, the, the rage meter, it, they make a lot out of it, but then it's hardly ever utilized, even if you were to launch into it as soon as it was available. It's not necessarily the most elegant version of an ARPG. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it over the ones that you're probably already thinking about. However, I think that there is enough stuff that's different or interesting in it that it would be worth your time if you like these sort of games. It's not going to convert people who are not interested in them in general. But it's the kind of game that if you already like the genre, you're probably going to want to at least try it and see what you think. That being said, we always talk about an alternative that I would recommend. And for this one, there's actually an easy one, and I'm not going to use Diablo, because I, I could go into Diablo, which ones worked, which ones didn't work as well for me, but we're not going to do that here. Instead, I'm going to go to Torchlight. Specifically, I'm going to go to Torchlight 3, which is the most recent iteration. I know that they've been doing a couple big updates to it recently. I have not checked it out since they've done that, but I have played a large amount of the game already, being my uh, steam-powered robot with a coal furnace in his belly. And that's amazing. Uh, it's just lively and colorful, and it's just a whole lot of fun to play through. It is not going to be necessarily a Diablo killer, but it is its own thing. It has its own feeling and its own vibe, and it has some really interesting things involved. Not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination, but it will definitely satisfy your ARPG itch, and uh, has some really neat skills 
and abilities for the different character classes and has some very interesting kinds of character classes that don't just feel like your bog standard this is the this is the shooty class this is the melee class this is the magician class they try to make it a little bit more unique for each one of those going forward and then they also just threw in uh, a robot that looks like a giant coal furnace as another character you could play so there's that all right so that's going to end this episode thank you for listening uh, i know that you're going to leave me very shortly and so i'm just going to turn around because i can't bear to say goodbye oh you stuck around oh excellent can i interest you in a nice glass of water i am collecting the drippings from the stalactites on the ceiling right over here in the second cave i don't know for certain but i think that they're high in mineral content you're gone yeah that tracks that tracks well, at least you tried. <laughs>